Welcome to this edition of the Dan Rayburn Podcast, a show that curates the streaming media industry news of the week that matters most, unvarnished, unscripted, and providing you with the data and analysis you need without any of the hype. The pulse of the streaming media industry. Here's your host, Dan Rayburn, with co-host Mark Donegan. Welcome to the Dan Rayburn Podcast. I'm Dan Rayburn, along with my co-host, Mark Donegan. Mark, hello. Are you ready for this special edition of the special edition, yes. Q2 earnings? Uh, well, we haven't heard the call yet, but what we wanted to do was get out to listeners really quickly a recap of Netflix earnings because this was a pretty interesting quarter in terms of the, for the entire industry, really seeing what was going to happen. So just to uh, set uh, what we're going to do here, just so listeners are aware, Mark and I are recording this right after Netflix earnings and before the 6 p.m. Eastern call with the Wall Street. So if some additional information comes out on the call that we did not talk about, it's not because we ignored it. We just don't know about it yet. That's right. But even without the call, there's still plenty to cover that came out of earnings. So Mark, let's just start off by saying over the last two weeks, I get the sense that people have lost their minds in many cases. The content being posted across LinkedIn and in, in posts is just absolutely, it, it really is shocking to me how many people are debating things that we know are factually right or wrong based purely on revenue yeah, or cash flow or Netflix's uh, you know, margins. ARPU, it's fascinating to me, even in some on Wall Street where they can't even quote the numbers right. Or this idea that um, you know, Microsoft was selected as the advertising partner because they will then just you know buy Netflix if Q2 earnings aren't great. As if that could even happen from a regulatory standpoint. So Yeah, that was crazy. Let's just cut across all that. Let's just go right into the actual numbers here. So if you're listening, I've already published all of these to LinkedIn. You follow me on LinkedIn or Twitter. I put up four posts today already on Netflix, breaking out the key highlights you need to know from a number standpoint. So these are the high level numbers. Netflix lost 970,000 subscribers. They projected they'd lose 2 million. So Wall Street is very happy. As of the, the time of Mark and I doing this podcast, Netflix was up about 15% after hours, which is pretty funny if you think about it, that Wall Street is excited based on subscriber losses. And that's just because the number is smaller than they were predicting. But that that gives you a, an idea of the state of the market that we're in right now, because this is the first time ever Netflix has had two quarters in a row of subscriber losses. So who would have ever thought that Wall Street would be happy for losses? So they lost 970,000 subs. Netflix projects growth of 1 million subs in Q3. Now, keep in mind, these are global numbers. They ended Q2 with 209.18 million total paid subs. So they have just over 209 million subs. Some additional information they gave us around the advertising tier. Again, more, more details may come out in the call. But what we know right now is Netflix said they're targeting to launch this tier around the early part of 2023. Early part, no, it's their quote, not mine. 
So what exactly does early part mean? We don't know. Yeah. But that's what they said. They also said that they think they will get, quote, premium CPMs from brand advertisers. Not surprising. I think they will is just based on the fact that the the content that they have. Yeah, we've um, been saying that from the start. That we have. Yeah, they're not going to struggle on the CPM side. No. They also said that they will, quote, likely start in a handful of markets where advertising spend is significant. And that over the long run, quote, we think advertising can enable substantial incremental membership through lower prices and profit growth through ad revenues. So what they're telling Wall Street is they think they can grow the business with lower prices, but still have profit profit growth overall. Can they? We're going to see. I think based on the fact they're saying they think they'll get premium CPMs, they probably can't. A couple other key numbers, revenue grew 9% year over year. Or if you take out the foreign currency impact of what's going on with the dollar right now, it was actually 13%. Uh, APAC revenue grew 23%. Uh, APAC is now approaching the size of their LATAM business for the first time. Revenue in LATAM grew 19% and surpassed the $1 billion quarterly mark for the first time. What was interesting is Revenue grew 19%, but memberships in LATAM were flat. Interesting. That's just from a price increase. It's just from a price increase. So mm-hmm. for all the people out there saying, oh, the moment yeah. Netflix raises pricing, look what's going to happen with churn. They yeah. just told us without using the word churn. Yeah. That things held steady in LATAM, even though pricing was raised and revenue grew 19%. Now, it doesn't mean they didn't have churn. They could have had churn and then just backfilled those who turned out with new subscribers. Yeah. But the point is their revenue went up 19%. Yeah. Significant. What and Latam would and be Latin. a market that, that, that some would assume potentially could struggle maybe more than other markets with a price increase. Yes. I was going to, you beat me to that. I was going to say, and Latam is one where we see more yeah. people talk about because of the cheaper plan down there. Yeah. People would naturally assume, oh, you're going to raise pricing. People are going to cancel. So yeah. if they did cancel, they at least filled it with net new subs. Mm-hmm. 19% revenue growth. Uh, Q3 revenue growth forecast that Netflix put out, uh, that that translates to a, a 5%. Um, oh, sorry. Revenue growth forecast for Q3 is a growth of 5%, which if they hit that, translates into 12% year-over-year growth on a consistent currency basis. So we're still talking about Netflix's revenue growing, even though we're seeing some subscriber losses. And I don't think people are making enough of an importance around that because look at Disney and others who are still growing their direct to consumer business Mm -hmm. as they grow subs, they're losing billions of dollars not growing revenue in the sense that they're profitable or free cash flow. So I think that's really important for Netflix. So that's the positive. Now what's the negative? Well, free cash flow, great. But they predicted Q3 ads of only a million. That's not the greatest. And as I mentioned before, this is now two quarters in a row of sub losses, which we've never mm-hmm. seen from Netflix before. So Q3 and Q4, interesting to watch. Mark, let's jump into finances real quick because I was pushing out a lot 
about a week ago because I saw all kinds of people talking about Netflix having financial issues, meltdowns, all this just yeah ridiculous, ridiculous stuff. So let's just you make need it to be acquired. Need to be acquired. You know, <laughs> someone needs to save them. Yeah. So let's cut through all that nonsense. Numbers matter. Numbers are definitive. At the end of March, Netflix had six billion in cash. Their total debt stood at fourteen point six billion, and they paid hundred and eighty-eight million in interest during the first quarter. So to put that in perspective, this year they'll pay about seven hundred and fifty-two million in interest, and they have six billion in cash. Mm-hmm. They expect to remain free cash flow positive, which they also said uh, in the shareholder letter today. Their ARPU grew to $14.92 at the end of Q1. I haven't seen their SEC filing yet to see what it grew in in Q2, Mm -hmm. but I'll push that number out when we see it. Starting in 2025, Netflix will have nearly $7 billion in debt mature within a three-year span. So things do get a little bit tighter for them in 2025. And one could argue that as Netflix replaces its bonds that they have now with new debt, as that matures, that the company might pay higher rates. It's possible. But that's not happening today. So just think about that number. At the end of Q1, Netflix had $6 billion. So they're not in financial trouble. Uh, I saw someone say they're hemorrhaging cash. They absolutely are not. Just read the balance sheet. So I think opinions people have on the business, Netflix, the industry, any of that stuff, it's fine. It's okay to have opinions and everything. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think we're not going to agree on everything. Mark, you and I sometimes don't either. That's okay. But we're not even working off of factual financial information. Then what are we really discussing? Yes, that's right, Dan. And that's a problem. So. I'll take it even worse, make it even worse here. Just a little while ago, a a person from Annandale Capital, which is an investment advisor company, said on CNBC right after earnings that Netflix lost, quote, 900,000 subscribers. They didn't. They lost 970,000. So even a Wall Street investment analyst can't quote the number right. And I'm sure people would say, well, who cares, Dan? 70,000 additional losses and you know, over 200 million doesn't matter. But the point is, these people and this person you know, working in a Wall Street firm is responsible for giving investment advice in stocks. And you're working off the wrong base number. Yeah. So I, I thought that's sort of the best indication that we've seen so far of just I don't know what happened in our industry where people stopped caring about numbers and just literally is throwing numbers out the window. It's like whatever number I feel like pushing out there, I'll throw out there and nobody, no one on CNBC stopped to correct a person updated. I even saw on LinkedIn, they put Netflix loses 1 million subs. And the first sentence was Netflix lost almost 1 million subs. Almost. (laughs) Almost. How about you just put the number? Yeah. So pretty, pretty Because crazy 1 million is more dramatic, Dan. <laughs> it is, right? It's writing for headlines. I know that deal. People do that all the time. I don't like it. But that's their finances. If anyone tells you Netflix is having problems with finances, tell them that's factually inaccurate. 
because it is. Just read their balance sheet. Uh, next up, Mark, you know, interesting thing Netflix pointed out here in their shareholder letter. So there's a lot of third-party firms out there putting out data on how many subs they think Netflix gains or loses in a quarter, along with other OTT services based on app downloads, based on their proprietary engagement, viewing hours, all this kind of stuff. Based on all that data, the Antenna, quite a few others put out there. Some said that it showed that Netflix lost 4 million subs total in Q2. And that they're, I've seen things saying that they're losing share. Now, how do they define share? Some don't define it at all. Others yeah. define it at viewing time. Others that define it as engagement. What was really interesting is Netflix came out and said, in the U.S., which is one of the most competitive markets in the world, we drew more TV viewing time than any other outlet during the 2021-2022 TV season, nearly matching the combined total of the two most watched broadcast networks. Then it was really interesting. They said, Nielsen will announce on Thursday, our share of U.S. TV viewing reached an all-time high of 7.7% in June versus 6.6% in June of 2021, demonstrating our ability to grow our engagement share as we continue to improve our service. So something doesn't add up here. <laughs> yes. They're saying words like engagement, Netflixes, they're saying viewing share, they're talking about hours viewed, and yet we have third-party firms, some of them, not all of them, saying that it's shrinking. Yeah. So what we have to go back to here is methodology. What exactly is being measured? What is being defined as engagement? And you, you have to question Netflix numbers too, because keep in mind that they, they talk about engagement and they talk about viewership. Sure. So sure. that methodology, I remember it was, and I'd have to double check if it's still the case, but it was, if you watch the first two minutes of something, they considered that a view. Mm. Probably not what we would call that as a view, but my point exactly. is there's a lot of conflicting data out here. And if anyone yeah. is using this data to try and predict, especially app downloads in a quarter of how many subs Netflix or any other service will gain or lose, it's just not good methodology because look how many people were saying they were going to lose 4 million. And what did they lose? They lost 970,000. So yeah, you really have to drill down on methodology if you're going to look at any third-party data. Yeah. And just think about, you know, I'm looking here uh, in the investor shareholder letter, uh, in the shareholder letter, Stranger Things season four in just the first four weeks generated 1.3 billion hours viewed. It's a lot. But I, yeah. Did that help? I don't know. I, I, and to find views, right? We know hours. Well, but, but, but that's what I find interesting here. They say hours viewed. So that's yes. hours viewed. So, I mean, unless they've got some really unusual methodology uh, and no, you know what? The footnote, the footnote yeah, says the footnote. hours viewed data is based on the first 28 days of release for each title. Yep. Yep. It's hours viewed. Now, now, uh, views, views, not hours viewed. That is what the point you're making, you know, like, how are they measuring that? Yes. Watching two minutes is not a view. I no, it's agree not. With now, that. you know, the call that's going to take place later 
maybe they're going to address. Did do they think Stranger Things four season uh, and splitting it across two different quarters? Do they exactly. think that's impacting turnover retention? They may very well yeah. say it is. The, the problem yeah. is that we never know whenever these services put out viewership numbers how that really helped churn in terms of reducing that's right. or increasing yeah. retention. Yeah, maybe they'll give that out. Don't know. Yeah. Uh, the point is obviously it was it was a lot of a lot of viewing hours. So my That's point right. is just question the data, like everything else, question the data, because apparently whatever Nielsen's going to put out tomorrow is going to say a lot of the opposite of what others put out regarding Netflix and viewership. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, too, Netflix announced that they're going to acquire an animation studio called Animal Logic, the company mm-hmm. they've already been partnered with on content. Uh, they said that uh, they're going to be acquiring them with just under 800 employees, mostly in Sydney and Vancouver. And they said that they will, quote, use this to accelerate the development of our animation production capabilities. So I thought that was interesting, Mark, because they're showing and saying publicly just how important they think animation content is to their service going forward. That's right. Uh, Another thing that came up this week with Netflix. Now this was in a blog post they did on their Netflix news page. Um, If you track Netflix's news, you'll notice it didn't show up unless you actually did a drop down to their innovation tab. Their whole, New setup there is pretty interesting. It messes with RSS readers too, which I don't like. But uh, what they basically did in a short blog post to say they started a new password sharing test, charging users in Argentina, Dominican Republic, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras an extra three U.S. dollars per month to what they're calling "quote add a home." So you can add a home to your plan for three dollars, and members on the basic plan can add one. Standard can add two, premium can add three extra. Uh, you can still watch it outside of the house and the home, uh, you know, on any device you want. So they're doing more testing. That's the second test now that they're doing as far as what they're going to do with password sharing. They did mention the shareholder letter that they do believe, and I'm paraphrasing here, I don't have it in front of me, that there is a way that they can roll out a password sharing type feature that won't feel obtrusive to users. And it's something that they're going to roll out slowly and they're going to continue to learn on Mark. What I'm thinking here is to me, this almost feels like a Spotify family plan. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah. Nobody is, is that I can see, you know, appalled by Spotify saying, okay, you can share your account with a certain amount of people. Yeah. But it's going to cost you a little extra every month. So I think if they do it in the right way, do not think there's a lot of backlash. Yeah, I I actually very much agree. And, you know, it's actually interesting, the terminology at a home, um, you know, with so many, uh, I mean, the families, you know, the living situations are just really dynamic. You know, they aren't what they used to be, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. And so you have, you know, maybe grown kids who are, you know, kind of living at home for a while and they move out and then they move back in and they kind of. And, and this, I, I, you know, going off to college, it's the common scenario. And I think many, many, many of our listeners who have college age children who are using their, their password, it's not even a function of, 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 you know, necessarily trying to save money. It's just, it's loaded in all their devices. The kids are off to school. They're watching Netflix. It, you know, so if, if Netflix has a way to be able to, in a, in a very low cost manner, um, allow someone to, you know, now 
legitimately grant access, there'll be some that'll say, hey, I don't want to do that. I can't afford it. Okay, fine. But there'll be plenty who will say, no problem. I think yes. this is, I, I, I think yeah. they'll figure it out. Maybe we'll they will figure call. it out. Yeah. But the shareholders, yeah. they are customer care. focused. You know, they are. And and so uh, they're going to do this in the right way, just as you and I have been saying for, you know, since the beginning of the announcement that advertising was coming, is that the advertising will also be, you know, maybe not initially and, you know, they're going to grow into it, but it's going to be there's going to be some innovation in what they do because it'll be focused around user experience. I think it will as well. I thought it was also interesting that they highlighted in the shareholder letter that uh, their approach has always been the same. It's going to continue to be, which is, quote, keep our business model as simple as possible within the context of our growth objectives. There you go. That summarizes a very interesting sentence. Yeah. 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 So a couple other things. Uh, let's go into this Microsoft Netflix ad deal because we didn't talk about oh, this yeah. last week. Oh, no, no, no. You're, you're about to announce Microsoft's going to buy Netflix, right? Uh, apparently, that's what a lot of people <laughs> think. I mean, just the, the, the speculation, if you want to have speculation based on some actual numbers, what I never, yeah. I didn't see a single person on LinkedIn who was saying Microsoft would just buy Netflix layout. Okay, if they bought them, yeah. What is the valuation? Yeah. How much cash would it take? Yeah. How does this impact Microsoft's free cash flow? Right? Nobody actually did the math of any kind, which means if you're not running the numbers, you're not looking at it from a financial standpoint, anybody can throw out some idea any day, all day long, if somebody's going to buy somebody. Yeah. But if you're not going to put the effort behind what would it actually mean, who would it impact? How would it impact Wall Street or the financials? Do they have enough cash? How does it impact their interest or their bonds? Do they have to issue more stock? Then what is your opinion based on? So yeah. that, that was the disappointing thing to me, Mark. It wasn't that people had a different idea than I do. Sure. That's, that's the whole point of this country. Sure. Different sure. ideas. I'm, I'm all for that, but just do some of the homework. So it comes across as an intelligent idea. And okay, this is your methodology for it. I have nothing wrong with that. But CNBC on Monday, an yeah. analyst said, Quote, if Netflix has bad earnings, Microsoft could bail out Netflix by acquiring. You also had someone, as I put up on LinkedIn, a Wall Street person come out and say, well, the only reason Netflix did the deal with Microsoft is um, Microsoft could buy them five years from now. (laughs) Which is crazy because what you're saying is, so Netflix didn't pick a great ad vendor. They only picked somebody that basically will sabotage their business for the next five years. That's right. So so they could acquire them. It'll be okay because five years from now we'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's insane. Yeah, so, <laughs> a couple other things on the on the Netflix Microsoft tie up here. So, this idea that Netflix only picked Microsoft because they don't have a directly competitive streaming platform is not why they picked them. Yeah, they are not going to pick a technology that's not going to work for them to not grow their business to not increase their ARPU considering they just told Wall Street all those exact things that they're going to do, they're going to have to pick a partner that they believe can execute. Now, if that partner also happens to not compete with them in some, some way, that, that's great. But that was not the deciding factor of why they picked Microsoft. The thing I was really surprised on, Mark, was just 
how many people didn't know, and maybe still don't, that Microsoft is already in this business and that yeah. they acquired Xander. Like, I was shocked at, at how many people. So someone from RBC Capital Markets says, Microsoft, quote, does not have an established presence within CTN and are missing an ad server for the market. And I thought, wow, they just, they don't know what, what Xander is. And we saw a lot of that. Maybe, maybe, you know, let's not assume that everyone listening knows what Xander is. So let's real quick talk yeah, about so, it. And yeah, yeah, so go ahead. Microsoft bought Xander. Now I forget the exact date when they bought them. Um, yeah, let me look here. Xander is, is used to do all kinds of unique things on the ad side. They've been doing this for quite some time uh, with Microsoft. They support clients' preferred industry IDs. They monetize programmatic streaming inventory. It all ties into Microsoft's global native ad buying solution, which they call the Microsoft Audience Network. Mm -hmm. So they're already doing this today. Now, is there some additional functionality they have to have built in? There absolutely is. But Netflix is going to manage ad frequency in a good way, as well as serving contextually and demographically relevant ads. We just... We know Netflix knows their audience. Uh, also, Mark, I think people are forgetting Netflix created one of the most sophisticated recommendation platforms based on audience interest. Mm -hmm. So this this is a real opportunity for them. And I think that's what people are missing is they keep saying, oh, this is such a challenge for Netflix. Yeah. It's not a challenge. It's an opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is a platform that's already running in the market. WPP. One of the parent companies, WPP, has been using yeah. it for quite some time. They're one of the largest global ad buyers in the world. That's right. Yeah, and I've got some uh, some numbers here. So, by the way, the the deal was announced. AT and T, you know, sold it, uh, liquidated, right. uh, sold it to Microsoft. It was announced in December of last year, so 2021, and it looks like the deal closed in June, early June. So, so Q2, just. Yeah. Uh, little over a month and a half ago, basically. But he, here's the, here's the scale of Xander of the platform. So on the program and they, they do a number of things, um, but they have what's called the marketplace, which is basically their programmatic. Um, you know, that's where, where uh, ads are, are bought and sold obviously. And they get 6.7 billion daily impressions. 6.7 billion. They deal with 193,000 brands. Actually, it says plus, but you know, brands. They have 80 global DSP integrations. And the DSP integrations are super key because it's the DSPs that ultimately connect, you know, to, uh, you know, to the devices and connect. You know, it's like these DSPs are the hubs, right? You have 1,550 publishers, direct publishers, so they're publishing directly on Xander, 175 SSP partnerships, and 45 data provider partnerships, so uh, maybe. But, <laughs> yeah, um, they do know something about advertising. Absolutely. And digital and they're on TV. It today. And, and <laughs> they're DSP doing it today. Yeah. For people who don't know, it's demand-side platform, and it's... Uh, it allows advertisers to buy advertising to help automation. So yeah. it's important. Uh, here's a quote from Reed Hastings about two minutes ago, Mark, because the call did start at six. I'm looking at uh -huh. some things. All right. And he said, quote, 
Q2 was tough in some ways, losing a million and calling it a success. He said, but yeah. quote, we're set up very well for the next year. And he's right. I, I think, I think that's what people should be looking at is, is yeah. long-term Netflix. Yes. They had a bad quarter. Okay. This quarter wasn't great as well, but you're talking about being able to have free cash flow, still put out content. Yes. Everyone has a different debate whether or not they think it's good content or crappy content. Right. Yeah. We're all, we're all right with that because we all have different <laughs> opinions on that, but uh, they, they're staying very positive for next year. Yeah. As I think they should. I, I think that's important. So mm-hmm. interesting to hear what else they might, they might talk about on the call. Uh, you'll notice in the shareholder letter too, there wasn't a single comment about Netflix thinking it needs to get into live sports. Yeah. So all this talk about they have to get into live sports, right? Or they can't succeed. or They can't grow. Obviously that's not part of the strategy. Yeah, that's right. So that's, that's important to keep an eye on. Now, could they be saying something else on the call about live sports? Maybe, but it's not going to be anything big because they would have put it in the letter. Yeah. So live sports clearly right now is not where, where Netflix is, is looking to go. They don't, they don't seem to be interested. And I think that's smart just because the amount of money it would take the licensing costs on that are just, are just so high. Yeah. A couple other things, Mark, in the ad deal. I was, maybe I shouldn't be at this point in the industry, but I was really kind of blown away by how many people from a high level, now keep in mind, these are not technical people in the industry, but just came right out and said, well, Netflix picked Microsoft in an exchange. Microsoft is definitely going to get Netflix's infrastructure business away from AWS. And I thought, wow, you have no idea how Netflix works. None from a technical standpoint. Cause the other thing that we had some people say was this was on business insider was that Netflix delivers all its videos through AWS, which we in the industry know they use open connect. So they're yeah. not delivering the videos through AWS. They're not using no. cloud front to deliver the videos. No. So, and even when I pointed it out to people, some people were like, Nope, that's not right. Right. Look at what it says in the filing. They have a deal with AWS. Well, obviously AWS has a lot of services besides its video delivery. Yeah. So the amount of time and effort it would take for Netflix to move it from, from AWS to Azure would disrupt their entire current business. And yeah. here's an interesting thing. You want to talk about regulatory filings. They've listed in their regulatory filings on multiple occasions that because they have to say what threats to their business are legally, one of the threats to their business would be if AWS would no longer take their business. Because they actually spelled out that there's no other cloud provider that has the functionality or scale they need to operate their business. They actually no, that's call that out. interesting. I I've totally missed that, but that, that that's a rebuttal right there. It is. If that's a threat to their business, then how are they going to migrate it to Azure? And Azure's very capable. So you know, look, I'm, but they do not have all of the services AWS has. These oh, are not direct replacement. Yeah, they, yeah, these are not direct replacement clouds. Uh, regardless of how they may try and position themselves, they are not. So, but that right there says it all. So yeah, the fact it's, it's that people would believe that Azure, this was all so that you know 
Netflix would go to Azure. It's, it's not a replacement. Now, could there be yeah. pieces of Netflix's business well, sure, out of the ad? Sure. That move There's probably that. pieces even running today on Azure. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised anyway. Well, um, you can see a lot of what's taking place in the back end, and you have all the cloud providers, Google, Microsoft with Azure, Oracle. They're always trying to get Netflix's business. Sure. That's that's sure. Uh, when I hear when I see it reported, they're having conversation. They're having conversations all the time. Yeah. Um, I won't go into that because sometimes I know directly about those conversations because yeah. people ask me afterwards what I think. But yeah. the the key thing here is to know is that right now, if you think about what Netflix uses AWS for, it's for nearly all its compute and storage needs, including the mm-hmm. databases, analytics, recommendation engines, mm-hmm. video transcoding. Mm-hmm. hundreds of functions in total and to put a number out there it uses more than a hundred thousand server instances on aws now that is a public number yeah. you can find if you do a little searching on aws's website that's a public number it's incredible. so just imagine the people who are like oh well you know this deal amazon just moves everything over to to azure oh yeah it's only over a hundred thousand server instances. Yeah. Like it's just, it's just ludicrous. So I can tell you that that is not part of the deal. Could Microsoft get some pieces of Netflix's business in the cloud over time? They certainly could, but it's not going to be, and this is important. It's not going to be a replacement for AWS. It's going to be something that's new tied to the advertising side. Yeah. That's very different. It's a very different idea than what, what people are uh, proposing there. So Mm. I can tell you that's, that's definitely not part of it, but these are some of the, these are some of the things that we've seen people talking about suggesting this is why they did to deal with, with Microsoft. Now I thought Mark, I think two podcasts ago, I said, I I really thought they would do Google. Yeah. So I was going to ask you about that. Um, so, so I didn't have any insider information, right, of any kind, and I didn't on the oh, I, say, like, I know, I just said I thought that, and the reason I thought that was the logic behind it was, if you want to go with the company that has the most experience inserting ads into video, it is Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in terms of volume of ads, YouTube, so it's live, it's on demand, different ad mm-hmm. formats, pre-roll, post-roll, and stream, in pages, it just, they have the most experience. So... Uh, clearly Netflix didn't feel that was the best fit for them. We don't know the dynamics. The other thing that I saw some people saying is, well, Netflix quote desperately needs cash. No, they do not. So then with Microsoft, because Microsoft is willing to give them billions of dollars up front, well, says who we don't know that. Yeah. either. <laughs> yeah. So uh, maybe we'll hear about that on the, on the call. I doubt it, but what is, what are the deal terms between Netflix and Microsoft as far as numbers, who's paying who? We do not know. And if you yeah. look at the blog post that Microsoft put out, and you look at the one Netflix put out, what did Netflix say? They said they picked Microsoft for a couple of key reasons. And one of them they highlighted right away was privacy. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. That's true. Yeah. Privacy. So there's a lot of factors that went into that. What is the business relationship monetarily? God, we'd all love to know. But <laughs> until we have some, some real information that's concrete that we can trust, uh, it's just speculation at this point. I've seen Wall yeah. Street estimates that Netflix is guaranteed a couple billion dollars up to Netflix is guaranteed $10 billion. And the funny thing is every single estimate I've seen, there's no years that go along with it. 
So they're, yeah. it's a couple billion over what period of time? <laughs> don't know. Next 25 years. Right, right. I just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't know how to yeah. evaluate that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to watch that. I think at some point we will get from Netflix naturally once the ad plan rolls out, just we're going to get some numbers from them, no doubt, as far as adoption, ARPU rates. And they're yeah. not going to roll out an ad plan and then not tell Wall Street some really detailed key demographics, which is awesome <laughs> for us because it gives us more to talk about. Sure. And also a way to value the business and how well they're doing. But it's going to be some time before we get that. I think some people are actually pretty surprised on how quickly they're going to roll this out. Because, yeah. again, I saw a lot of people saying, well, the amount of work that needs to be done, there's there's no way that they can roll this out until Q3 or Q4 of next year. And what did they say? They said early part, early. quote, early part of 2023. Yeah. Well, they've now set Wall Street expectations. So they can't yeah. be rolling it out end of Q2. Yeah. I, right. I have a feeling maybe we'll get a little more color on that on the call. It's actually taking place right now. But early part definitely means that it's it's coming sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. So I think this is good, Mark, as a wrap-up for, for the industry. If Netflix had lost a lot more subs, oof. I think, I think that would have just sent a shockwave through the industry where people would maybe think, okay, this, this market's not going to grow what we thought it was. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know, but I, it would not have been good. So, well, let's see what happens when the market opens uh, tomorrow, but I'm, I'm hopeful. Uh, and I actually believe that the, the price will hold. You know, I am hopeful, of course, I hope it doesn't just fall back down to, you know, 190, 185, but do you have any shares in Netflix right now? I do not. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't need it. So when you're yeah. saying you hope, but I didn't know if it, cause it was tied to like, no, 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 something no, but uh, ho- hopeful for. because uh, you know, they're a bellwether. Uh, they really are. They're a bellwether. And I, I think that um, a lot of the the market, the industry, investors, I know companies I'm working with, talking to, uh, everybody's looking at Netflix as sort of the, you know, the weather vane of what's well, we happening. It's so. an industry. We have to now know after their earnings, who is up after our mm-hmm. training? Disney, Paramount. Yeah. Uh, Warner Bros. Discovery. There, there, there you go. It's the so bellwether. It pulls driving. them through. Yeah. Uh, a couple other quick things that were said on the call now in the last few minutes is the leadership team says, quote, they're taking an innovation oriented view when it comes to ads. Uh, then saying that they plan, quote, to provide an incredible experience to consumers, brands, and advertisers. Now, what exactly that means? We don't really know what it, what is going to be incredible about their their ad experience compared to what we have right now. I don't know. I don't know what they could do there other than you know everyone says oh they'll create all new ad formats. I don't think we have new ad formats in the marketing. I, I wouldn't call it a format. Yeah. But will they do something where it allows you to pick the ad you want to see beforehand, and that would not be new? We had that 15 years ago some companies, uh, mm-hmm. but maybe that's their idea of innovate, or maybe it's just the ad load. They're not going to do as, as many. Sure. 
but I'm very interested to hear what they think is innovated from innovating from an ad standpoint because we we haven't really heard much of that in quite some time. Yeah, that's right. So that's that's something definitely to watch. Uh, they also said that all ads in Netflix will be sold by Microsoft. So that's that's a big thing that is mm-hmm. confirmed. All that's in quote. Mm-hmm. ads will be sold by Microsoft. So for those out there being like, well, Microsoft doesn't know how to sell ads and they have no ad sales force. Uh, definitely not accurate. Well, and I think I also saw, you know, we, we, we saw people saying, you know, Netflix is lost because they haven't even hired uh, someone to, oh, to head up. And, you know, well, that's why, because they, they don't need to. You know, yeah, that, that was actually funny. It was, so. I, I saw that. They said that yeah. it's crazy that Microsoft did a deal with Netflix because since Netflix hasn't yet hired someone to run ads, yeah. that person yeah. should be hired first and then determine yeah. and then which determine, technology like, platform yeah. they should Like be. that person anoints, you know, the, right. the winner. Yeah. Right. As if no. they have more technology experience than <laughs> Netflix has right now. Yeah. Tech stack. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, I wish I had the gentleman's name. I don't have it right now. Yeah, I, I, I can't recall either, but I. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I was going a different way. Oh, so there was okay. a gentleman on CNBC today who was interviewed uh, who came out uh, to talk about a new book on Metaverse. And he was talking Netflix. And then he, the, the person interviewing him said, well, there's nothing unique about Netflix technology. Um, they have no advantage. And then they continued to carry on. And then he talked about something else, but he I loved it. He came back and he said, well, just. Quick correction, something effective. Netflix has a lot of advantages when it comes to their technology stack. And he's yeah. right. A lot. Yeah. Scale. Absolutely. Perform. Yeah. There are so many places where Netflix has an advantage there. The player, the reliability of the service. So mm-hmm. I'd love that he didn't let the CNBC. Didn't let that go. Get away yeah. with that. Yeah. No, that was yeah. good. That, that was, was good. good. Well, Mark, I think, I think we're good here. Uh, we will cover some of the other news that came out this week on the next podcast in a couple of days. That's right. Uh, because there are a couple of things that came out, uh, some numbers as well, just as far as Disney and advertising. We've got some Vimeo layoffs. We've got some more, more layoffs coming the way. We've also got earnings for the next podcast we're going to cover from Verizon. So we'll look at cord cutting there. We've got uh, Snap, which we don't really cover too much, but I do like to look at how video is being engaged with on their platform. Then we're also going to have mm-hmm. AT&T earnings. So that should give us HBO. Yeah, that'll be good. Numbers. So that, that'll be good as well. Uh, interesting to see those two so close up against Netflix. So yeah, I know sure. Mark and I went through a lot of numbers today. You know, apologies because some people do write in Mark and be like, you, you cover so many numbers. I, I just can't keep track of them when I'm running in my yeah. channel. <laughs> Listening. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Uh, but th- you know, that's, we need to talk about the numbers. That's what we want to give you. So uh, I made it easy. They're all on LinkedIn. They're just quick bullet points. Here's the numbers you need to know. Yeah. Definitely go on LinkedIn. Go on Twitter. I've put them up there as well. Real easy to digest. If you guys have any questions around the numbers, just stick it up on LinkedIn. Mark and I have happy mm-hmm. to answer. We've been, I've been answering Mark in the last couple of days. Just a lot of questions around Netflix in the comments section. So I'm always happy to do that as well. So mm-hmm. that's a wrap for this week. We're out of time. Uh, if you got any questions, you know, just hit us up. We're around. Um, I also want to thank our podcast sponsor, Agora Marks. They've been with us a long time mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And continue to be. If you don't know who Agora is, they're a, they're a real-time, they're a platform for real-time audio and video. APIs, they have array of SDKs, 
a lot of what they focus on is applications that actually need low latency streaming, <laughs> uh, ultra low latency streaming. A lot of applications don't, but there certainly are applications that do. So thank you to Agora for continuing to support the podcast. Uh, check out Twitter, LinkedIn feed, as I mentioned. Uh, Mark and I will be back next week. We'll probably do about the about the same time, Mark, probably about 30, 35 minutes to get through all the other news we have next week. And then a uh, few weeks after that, we will get to the business economics show that we've been talking about forever. That's right. Which at this point will be a couple shows, uh, but we will <laughs> get to that. We've got a lot more to, to talk about regarding the economics of the business and what actually drives us from a numbers standpoint. The profitability, ARPU, all the, all the things out there that really matter is whether or not a company survives in the market. That's what it's based on. P&L. Mm-hmm. So, Mark and I appreciate you listening. Thanks for being here. We'll talk to all of you in the show next week. Have a great rest of your week. If you enjoyed the show, send it to a friend. Think Dan and Mark are wrong? Let them know on LinkedIn. And be sure to check out Dan's blog at streamingmediablog.com. 